Exegesis. Welcome to episode 3 of Countdown to Exegesis, the podcast where we pour over the Steely Dan back catalogue in the manner of two well-meaning drunks discovering the Dead Sea Scrolls. I'm Ollie Piper and I love Steely Dan. Andrew Souter, what do you think about Steely Dan? Unsure, in a word. Oh, that's... Hmm. I'd say that's a, that's a promotion from outright vitriol. Yeah, I think, well, I have a lot of uh, quite deeply rooted prejudices against Steely Dan, which I'm attempting to uproot uh, in by doing this podcast. And therein lies the tension mm-hmm. on which this whole conversation is, is, is built upon. Yeah, yeah. Andrew is going to inevitably start loving Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then the podcast is just going to descend into two middle-aged men <laughs> just just loving Steely Dan together. When do uh, you think that's going to happen? Like, what ooh, do you think? I, uh, what do you think is the song where I'm suddenly going to have my Dan epiphany? I don't think it's going to be a song. I think it's going to be a slow a slow process of mm. um, ossification of your soul. But I think as soon as I like Steely Dan, as soon as I like Steely Dan to the to the extent that I would say to somebody, I like Steely Dan, the podcast ends. Yeah. Like even that even if that happens like mid episode, we need to just pull Ooh. the plug because yeah, I don't <laughs> if it was if it was if I was a listener, I would not want to listen to two people just frothing endlessly about how great Steely Dan are. Unless you were a Steely Dan fan, because I would listen to that. Mm. Okay, but you are, you are the carrot for the um, for the skeptics. Today we're going to talk about. Well, we're on episode three, and we do a song per episode so far. So we're going to talk about song number three on Steely Dan's first album, "Can't Buy a Thrill," and this song is called "Kings." But first, Andrew, what are you drinking? So tonight, Ollie, I'm drinking a can of Tisky, which for any international listeners is a sort of uh, bottom rung corner shop lager. Um, you say you say for international listeners, I I haven't outright heard of it. You've not heard of Tisky? I haven't. Uh, it's I don't have a compartment inside my brain which goes Tis, Tisky lives in that compartment of cheap lagers. Interesting. You see, for I've, me, I've, Tisky I've is. I've undoubtedly seen it, and I recognised it mm. when you brought it to your lips as mm-hmm. as being a, a, a low tier lager. Yeah, along the lines of Skoll. Yeah, Jubra. Yeah, Lech. Um, but it, it's it's never made anything any sort of impression on me. Well, I would say that although it's bottom rung, it's also one of the best of that rung, or in general. <laughs> well, of that rung, but sometimes that rung is where you want to be standing. You can sit in the gutter with your tisky. Yeah. And it gives you a nice perspective on things. Exactly. Well, it's like Oscar Wilde said, we are all uh, lying in the mud drinking tisky, but we are all looking at Brooklyn Lager. Twinkling on on high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I also have a backup drink because I thought, a t- again, a tisky is not very Danish. So I got myself a lovely Bacardi rum and cola. Which I thought was slightly more in the kind of cocktail bar realm. You're looking very skeptical. I mean, mm, I, well, to me, it's it's not so much Dan as um, I don't know, faithless. 
or um, <laughs> Underworld. You, yeah, you're thinking of Born Slippy, aren't you? Yeah, I'm thinking, of, well, no, not specifically that song, but I'm thinking, um, mm. I, I, I'm thinking kind of also ran early noughties bars where you'd go and buy, you'd go and drink Bacardi and Coke and listen to that sort of music played obscenely loud yeah. for the place that you're in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a club. Yeah, but nor do they. But the last thing they want to do is promote polite conversation. It's that that sort of. I know. I know exactly the kind of establishment you mean, and I've had some miserable times in them. But for me, a rum and coke is, to me, it's very sophisticated. You know, it makes me feel like a gent. Um, but yeah, so I'm trying to be classy this evening, um, and in your eyes, not doing very well. But you know. I'm trying. I'm trying. No, I mean, uh, I appreciate. Uh, I appreciate you making the effort because I haven't made the effort. I'm back to drinking the same old. Well, you can't really say same old shit because, yeah, probably only about five people in this country drink this drink. But I'm back on the Calamacho, yeah, which was which was my drink from episode one. I think if you hadn't um, qualified that and said, "I'm back on the same old, same old Calamacho," I would have. <laughs> I would have ended this Zoom call <laughs> because. <laughs> That is such an obnoxious sentence. That's what that's the kind of thing that Nigel Slater says. You know, Nigel Slater's like, uh, you know, I had some leftover juniper berries. <laughs> you just like what what realm are you existing in, Nigel? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, to me, Calimacho is great hangover cure. Just throw a handful of saffron in with your eggs <laughs> and Yeah. <laughs> you know. And this pains me because I'm from Wolverhampton. As is Nigel Slater, so I feel that I should protect my own, you know, not in a tribal way, just, just you know, uh, give a leg up to fellow Wolverhamptonians. Would you, if if you if you were caught up in some sort of uh, terrorist attack, for instance, when you say caught up in, do you mean as perpetrator or victim? Um, vic- passerby. Mm-hmm. Okay. Really. Yeah. Um, but you are uh, you're you're walking along and and oh shit, something big's gone off. Mm-hmm. Ah. But you're but you're far enough away from the action to to um, where your you know your moral your morality demands that you go and help people. Yeah. Okay. And you see several people laid out on fire. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. One of them is Nigel Slater. Would I piss would on him? Make a, <laughs> would you question? make a special? Would you make a special? Would you would you go out and seek Nigel Slater either because you just recognised him, or because deep down you know that he's a fellow Wolverhampton? Well, it's it's the age old uh, moral conundrum, isn't it? You know about <laughs> would you <laughs> would you, would you, uh, would save... you rescue Nigel Slater on fire? Yeah, or a stranger? You know, yeah. um, and I think the answer is that. Um, in the heat of the moment, the literal heat of the moment, because of all the fire, um, mm. I would probably just grab the nearest person. If Nigel looked up at me with Wolfrunian eyes, imploring me, <laughs> then I might, yeah, I, I might uh, give him special treatment. He he might he might recognise your in, innate Wolverhamptonness. What, yeah, what yeah, if yeah. You, what if you grab someone and then you just, you, but but 
Me, it's Nigel. It's Nigel Slater. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. My my sourdough's gone all rock hard and I'm on fire. <laughs> it's okay. My endive salad is on fire. <laughs> Some song facts. Yes, please. About kings. Yeah. I'm all ears. Well, uh, okay. Well, Kings is um, the third track on Can't Buy a Thrill. How long does it last? There is really not much to say. I, I couldn't. I could hardly find anything about this song. Um, it wasn't released as a single. No, um, quite, quite no, right too. No, <laughs> there weren't any notable cover versions, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. There is an excellent video I discovered today of a Steely Dan covers band mm-hmm. doing this song in 1995. At a like tragically unattended concert, mm-hmm. the band is called Steely Damned. Right. Uh, I'll just read you from my notes. The lead singer is a kind of cross between Eddie Vedder and the mean older sister in an eighties teen movie. <laughs> he gets handed two drinks near the start of the song, uh, which seemed like excellent. Like these are like they're living the Dan dream. Yeah. You know, they're getting up, playing this slick music, and someone just comes and gives them two drinks, and he's just going to live the high life until he dies young. Yeah, yeah. Um, disappointingly, they seem they seem to be props for the moment in the song where Donald Fagan sings, "Raise up your glass." Yeah. Um, and and he and he raises he raises the glasses. It, it, that yeah it went from like so promising to to. So awful, so quickly. Um, but it's still it's still a great watch. Yeah, no. As soon as we finish this, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that. Um, did you see the um, the other video on YouTube, which is um, two people reacting to this song? You know, there's that genre, I, there's that genre of reacts videos on YouTube where people put the song on. I didn't on. watch them. I, I saw I saw a few of those, but to be honest, I avoid watching them. Well, do you know what? Do you know why why I avoid them, especially in the context of doing this podcast, is it's because I don't want any of their first impression opinions to to rub off on me mm. when I'm trying to like because because I can imagine myself, you know, watching those videos, and I've got nothing against the people who makes these make these videos, but it is like off the cuff reactions that yeah. seems to be what people enjoy the kind of the honesty behind it all. So, but, but often they'll listen and it will be kind of like, wow, yeah, wow. I really don't, I really, I'm lost for words, really. I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about that. It has some, I really like the groove, like the groove in that, mm, yeah. If, if a uh, React video had been made of me listening to this song for the first time, <laughs> this is what it would be. So I was quite tired. I'd had I'd had a, a longish day, and I needed to make my bed. 
right? And I thought, mm-hmm. while I make my bed, I'm going to put on this Steely Dan song, get ready for the podcast. So I, and I hate, I hate changing bedding. I think it's, it's like a sort of Sisyphean torment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like very grumpily changing my bedding and put Kings on. So were this a Reacts video, it'd be me changing my bedding and just sighing heavily <laughs> at at both the situation and the song. Like the song made me sigh at least twice. <clears throat> but you've listened to it a few times since then without doing bedding. Because yes. you have to admit the the, the bedding probably coloured your first listen. Absolutely, yeah. I was I was tired, I was uh grumpy. And as soon as as soon as that so there's a bit in the song where uh, the line is something like I can hear the bugle play, and there's a little prog guitar riff underneath. It's like like that. And as soon as that happened, I just thought, oh, what am I? What am I doing? Not only listening to this song, but committing to a nine series <laughs> podcast <laughs> about a band who would think that was a good idea. However, since then I've listened to it a few more Before times. Before we get into the song, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. Can I can I just address your bedding because bedding changing bedding <laughs> isn't that much of a chore. It really and I, is. And I just wonder. No, I just wonder if you're aware that like modern bed, modern like elasticated bed sheets are available. For instance, I mean, I, I can imagine you like <laughs> sleeping on a, a bed that has to be like distinctly folded and, and like pre creased. <laughs> Why can you imagine that? Just because of you know your aura. Just to just to push back at what you're saying about changing bedding, it takes fucking ages. I mean, I know that I know there are people who do that thing where they like put the sheets inside out or whatever. You know, the duvet cover cover inside out. Yeah, and and that that's standard. That is standard procedure. That to me is sorcery. I have no idea what's going on when people do that. I look at them and it's like it's like watching somebody parallel park successfully. I just think you're operating on a different plane to me. I get the feeling we're procrastinating to, from talking about this um, this particular dance song. All right. So have you got any more? Have you got any more song facts? No, I've got fuck all. Okay. I've got fuck all. I, I saw a video of a of a covers band. That is that is. Oh no, wait. That's not even a fact. More. Well, I know. I'm scrabbling. Okay, well, I have a, I have a question for you. So the the, the guitar solo um, is that Elliot Randall or is that your friend and mine, the skunk Skunky Baxter? Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's Elliot Randall who we'll we'll see on reeling in the years shortly. Oh, interesting. Okay. For his much more famous guitar solo. But yeah, I think I think the solo is a standout on this song. Okay, well, as you have so few facts, uh, would you like to uh, give us an account of the vibe? Like, what would you say okay. is the vibe of this track? For me, the vibe, which for those not familiar with our format, is a one or two sentence summation of the song at hand. Mm-hmm. I've just written a soft rock deep cut with delusions of grandeur. That's pretty good. How about you? Do you have any thoughts on vibality? I found the vibe quite uh, elusive because when it mm. started, I thought it sounded, yeah, like an early 70s soft rock tune. It sounded a bit like Elton John, like, a, you know, that piano riff mm-hmm. at the beginning. 
and then the melody comes in and it's slightly unexpected and then there's these proggy flourishes well i'm glad you've said prog actually because i think i ended the last episode by saying there's a bit of prog next week <laughs> yeah and then, and then i listened back to kings and i was like what the fuck am i going on about this isn't very prog but well, there are two proggy flourishes for me yeah uh, one was the yeah the bit where he says I can hear the bugle play and the guitar goes like that, and then there was another bit in the um, in the instrumental I think before the guitar solo you, the the riff goes up a key I, I don't know by what uh, yeah uh, but both of those things struck me as proggy but then from what I know of of early seventies prog it wasn't heavy on the gospel backing singers so what thoughts do you have on the music Ollie? So, Kings is, uh, vocally, I think you get the feeling that Fagan's still kind of settling into his voice. Um, this is, you know, if you're following along, listen along, listening along at home, this is only the second time we've heard Fagan sing, mm. really. Um, and the first track of the album, Do It Again, was a bit of a different kind of beast, uh here he's he's you feel like he's uncomfortably fitting himself into like a rock yeah kind of context that's r a w k rock yeah um it's it doesn't have the kind of um the sneer to camera that a lot of later down would have mm. um vocally speaking especially the bit where he shouts Hey, yeah. Well, there's a, the there's, big soul. there's a truly horrible moment after the first chorus where he goes, "Oh," like that, and it's really, uh, it's really grating. I, I, I knew you'd mention that. It's interesting, <laughs> did you? <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you say, "Oh," he's <laughs> like. He wants to do a kind of like he wants to do a really felt raw um, yeah. uh-huh, but yeah. he over enunciates yeah. every syllable of oh. <laughs> it's really Yo-ho-y. it just sounds like he's straining at stool. Um but it's interesting that you said that um it sounds like he's trying to be I guess he's trying to be David Palmer, isn't he? He's trying to be a rock singer, a rock singer. Well, he's trying to be he's trying to be David Palmer on the rock numbers. Yeah, and we've only the, heard Gentle David, Fairy David so far. That's true. Um, David of Dingley Dell. <laughs> David of David Hall. Um, but so the opening line of the song is something like "Now they lay his body down." Is that right? Don't cross categories, man. No, no. But this is this is related to your point about the vocals. Okay, is that in my head? The opening line is, Sexy ladies of this town. Just the way, like, the swagger with which he sings, Now They Lay His. It just sounds like, Funky mama coming round. But delivered really sort of clumsily. So out of interest, as a, you know, Southeast Birmingham's premier Dan apologist. Do you think that um, Donald Fagan's voice sounds nice on this, or is it something that you can put up with because you like the song? 
I think that I th- I think that Donald Fagan sounds like Donald Fagan. Mm. Um, and that is his I curse. Think, he, <laughs> he he would have he would have rocky numbers, and he would have kind of like he, he would he would have he would rock up his voice, but um, it just sounds awkward at this stage. Yeah, like he hasn't quite found the uh, the tools the tools in his vocal. <laughs> Toolbox to to actually pull this off without without sounding like a sort of mm. um, uh, yeah a, co- a comedy disco <laughs> yeah. man. Uh, th- th- there's just something there's just something off about about him and and you know we talked about we talked about how he basically didn't he was a reluctant lead singer mm. and I think if he hadn't kind of if if he hadn't found his his way of doing things yet. Uh, we can kind of forgive him for it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he, he's he's audibly awkward to someone like me who knows Dan, and someone like you who is just reluctantly discovering Dan. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, so it's obvious it's obvious that uh, he doesn't quite pull it off. Yeah, but because um, you were saying he was like a reluctant lead singer, and also on this album he outsources lead vocals to. Mr. Palmer, I wonder whether the backing vocals are part of that because from the chorus on, there's so much like gospel choir backing vocals going on. Yeah, and I wonder whether that is because he there's a, a, an element of self consciousness about his performance, and it's like get the get the singers in, you know, we'll make it sound really epic and gutsy i think i think that's probably true mm. but as you'll see um they do a lot 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 more of that so this is the first kind of appearance of a crutch which will mm-hmm. become integral to the sound of the dan yeah going forward uh, that's, a, that's a bad omen by the time of asia gaucho mm-hmm. you'll be hard pressed to find a dan chorus which doesn't have a million and one gospel backing singers on it. Okay. Oh, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I've had a an awful portent of the future. Um, it it all hangs like a lot of things. It 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 develops a kind of pleasing patina with age. Yeah. As they as they, as they develop these ideas, they kind of they kind of ferment. Yeah. And, and get their get a pleasing funk. More complex to the uh, more complex factory organs. Mm. Um, what do you make of the guitar solo? So, yeah, I think I think the solo. Uh, I mean, the way I put it in my notes is it's this song is basically quite unremarkable, mm. musically speaking. As 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 someone who holds their later work in such regard, there are distinct kind of hints of. Later, Dan coming through, and and one of those is Elliot Randall's guitar solo. Mm-hmm. Um, on Dirty Work last week, you know, I, I kind of I pushed you a little bit to talk about uh, about the saxophone solo. Yeah, on that which song, I enjoyed a lot, which you enjoyed a lot, but but effectively was quite was quite kind of by the numbers and quite quite schmaltzy. It fit it fit the song. And it was perfectly good. Yeah. Um, here, I think we see we're seeing. S- uh, the first fruits of Steely Dan 
pushing against the kind of the kind of the standard rock solo. You don't get a, there's not a lot of uh, of just kind of twiddling on the side. Getting get you know when you get stuck in that. Yeah. Or what, I should say when a guitarist gets stuck in that. But you know the kind of what, what they call it Ernie. They call it Ernieing, don't they? After who? Ah, I see. Because of the sound of it, you know that that kind of um, yeah, you, like you you find a phrase that works and, and it gets hard to move out of it. And, yeah, and, uh, R- Randall's playing here is is it's kind of it feels chromatic and um uh, and it, and it, it brushes up like it, it nudges up against the song in a, in a slightly aggressive way tonal to, tonally. Okay, can um, I just can I just pause here to say this is the first moment in this podcast where it has done what I was hoping it would do. In that, what you have just said has convinced me to listen to it again. Okay. That's what I was hoping for, you know. I think <laughs> I think I think the cuz I, I hate I hated the guitar solo. I thought it was it was really, really jarring and horrible, but the way you've just described it is is makes it sound really interesting because it's like a disruption in the song well yeah and i think i i think the i think this is this gets to the kind of fundamental jeopardy of dan really which is that you have it, it is that you have such a kind of slick and well done backing mm. is that when they when they deliberately rub against that it can kind of just sound like well they don't know what they're doing mm because it's such at odds with the rest of it, but I think I don't know. After 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 a while, you get blind to the slickness, and and all of that seems to make a lot more sense. At least if you're me. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I. So you hate the solo? Well, just give me your kind of gut reaction to it then. Um, I just thought it was a really ugly tone. I thought the guitar, the, like the the actual sound of the guitar, it sounded really like thin and twangy mm-hmm. and it just felt like they'd said just just have fun just just play out you know just uh just 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 yeah we, we're just kind of um we just want you to really really go for it you know just uh <sighs> just stretch your legs have fun and then he goes and then he's like ah i can do my i can pull out some chops here it's it's um it's really funny that you say you you think that they just said just go and have fun mm. because um, they are uh, Becker and Fagin at least and maybe they did say that at this stage but I doubt it because mm. they developed such a reputation for being utter perfectionists when it came to solos. Mm. I mean they were perfectionists when it came to drums, bass, and solos basically right. and all the rest. But that's where they most kind of got a bit. Um, obsessive about it, and there's this uh, there's this amazing scene, and this is jumping way forward, and we'll inevitably talk about this again when we get to it. But um, in, in the kind of VH, you, you ever seen the VH1 classic albums? Oh, so where, many, so many. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a there's one about Asia, mm. and the song "Peg" on Asia has this like classic solo. It's known it's known for its solo. And they, they're sitting at the console, and on the tape, on the master tapes that they're listening to, there's several rejected solos, um, 
by these like amazing players, which they've just obviously I just pulled all the faders are pulled down, so they're still there on the tape. Mm-hmm. And and Becker and Fagan were just like previewing some of them, and they'll, they'll turn the fader up, and just uh, and you'll hear this like incredibly like this incredible like the, the creative mm. like masterfully played solo. Um, the kind of thing that would like uh, lesser bands would 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 pay a, a limb and a leg for yeah <laughs> you know but <laughs> but uh, and then and then they kind of and then Becker and Fagan just kind of in a slightly slumped kind of snarky way they just turn they just turn the fader <laughs> back down and they they go well I, I think that kind of speaks for itself doesn't it. <laughs> So, in their pursuit for perfection, did they splice together solos, or did it have to be the perfect take Ooh, of the perfect solo? I don't, I don't, I don't actually know the answer to that, but mm. I, I, I would doubt it. You would doubt that they spliced. I would doubt that they spliced. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's for all their, for all their kind of reputation of 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 studio perfection. I think. I think they, I get the impression they did hold the kind of the idea of a, of of a good, well played take with good feel and the honesty of that to be, you know, held in sacrosanct. Yeah. Um, but I might be wrong. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that when we get to Asia, um, when we start talking about that, we should do a commentary on the VH1 Classic episode about Asia. I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I would th- th- sincerely love that. That is going to um, permeate the whole Asia series, mm. which is what series six is it? <laughs> when we're both in our forties. <laughs> yeah. Let us sit upon the ground and tell sad stories of the deaths of kings. So let's talk lyrics. Mm. Let's let's hear your thoughts before I before I dive into my somewhat researched take on on the thing. Okay, um, it's a song about kings. Yeah, uh, it mentions two kings. It mentions King Richard and King John. Mm. From what I gather. Um, it's about the death of King Richard and the succession of King John, but it seems to be a quite cynical attack on kings. You know, they get all the glory, plundering and pillaging. Meanwhile, the common man starves. Okay, so so you're you're effect- you effectively are reading it in a in a. You know, this is this is a a, a sort of medieval uh, <laughs> uh, romance, as as well as the as the original liner notes put it, a vacuous historical romance. <laughs> That's what the liner notes said. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! <laughs> Who wrote the liner notes? I I, I don't. I think they're unsigned. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, well, I, it did 
occurred to me that it might be a an allegory of some kind. Uh, were American troops still in Vietnam? I think they they probably were. I think they were, and I think yeah. Richard Nixon. Yeah, Richard Nixon was uh-huh. also in power. Oh, here we go, John <laughs> Kennedy. But as I said, the um, well, yeah, part potentially, although we want, he didn't succeed because he'd already been shot on the head. Yeah, but yeah, I think the the liner notes were at pains to point out that it had quote no political significance, um, mm-hmm. which was a note next to the song in the track listing. Oh, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> but you. Well, I, I think we can. I think I think we can construe that to mean this is an obvious political allegory. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> yeah. As our friends from Something Else Reviews dot com mm-hmm. puts it, um, nah, it was probably just Donald Fagan getting something useful out of his then then new English lit degree from Bard, um, and you you can smell the facetiousness emanating from that line. Well, I think. That sort of answers my question, which was, why are these these American lads, why are they singing about the time of Robin Hood? Yeah. So you think it's because um, Fag- Fagan was a Inglet grad? I think probably that had something to do with it, but also, um, yeah, I, 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 it's hard, it, is, it is hard to read, and, and like, I... I so my personal take on it mm. is that this song is about um so I, I i after saying this is an obvious political allegory i'm actually going to say that i don't think they wrote this as a direct attack on richard nixon mm-hmm. and what was happening at that time although that obviously informed it i for me this song is a is is more or less about the the kind of universal timeless yeah um truth of we are expected to exalt our leaders yeah um even though they are absolutely not worth exalting yeah and out goes the la- out goes the the last bastard in comes the new bastard yeah you know yeah. um the uh, effectively a roundabout allegorical way of saying well, all politicians are the same, really, aren't they? It's just more of the same. Yeah, Doesn't matter yeah. who you vote for. Yeah, that's how I read it. That makes it's, sense. Yeah. Um, so for <clears throat> me, them putting no political significance next to it was probably because they'd written this song. Um, this song is very much in the style of Dan's early demos, like like like. There's ten a penny albums of of Dan's early demos out there and, and I, I although I don't think this is on any of them it's in, very much in the same style of those early songs um, the kind of pre-Dan songs that Becker and Fagan would demo together uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of wrote this pre uh, pre-Nixon mm. um, and uh, and they were probably at pains to point out having recorded this song that the people are just going to read this as, as, as a kind of um, a, a, a kind of surface deep attack on Richard Nixon, and that's probably why they put no political significance. Yeah, right. So they didn't on, mean on the they didn't they didn't mean uh, we're not talking about politicians. They meant we're not talking specifically about Nixon. 
Well, yeah, I think yeah, mm. just put people off the scent. They would rather that uh, that the casual listener would would just see this as a song about kings, yeah. rather than you know assume they were so crass as to reference a current political figure. Yeah. Okay, so That's it's, how I read it. It, it, it's too soon for me to make any generalizations about Steely Dan because I've listened to three songs in in any depth. However. <laughs> There does seem to be a pattern emerging, which is uh, so. The word you you have been using is snark. Mm-hmm. You could also say cynicism, world weariness. So track one, do it again, is kind of about men being weak and prey to vice, you know, and they mm-hmm. keep they keep going back for more, even though it's doing them no good. Dirty work is about a, a weak, pathetic worm of a man who. Uh, is bagging some lady and <laughs> feeling sorry for himself about it. And then this one is saying, you know what, guys? These leaders, they don't care about you, right? It's all quite uh, Bill Hicks. It all reminds me of, like, Bill Hicks's stand-up, where it's sort of like, when you're 15, hearing this level of kind of like, yeah, quite papery cynicism... As in not, it's not like, there's no deep examination of any of these subjects. It's just like saying, look, men are fools. Or look, politicians are untrustworthy. That's kind of like, when you're 15, mm. that's thrilling. Because you're having your mind blown and your horizons expanded. But when I was listening to this song and, and it dawned on me what the lyrics were about, I just kind of thought, yeah, yeah, no, I know. Kings are, kings oversee starvation. I know. Yeah, it's is that kind fair? Of, it's it's like it's like libertarian angst. It it it's 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 uh it's angst coming from uh coming from uh, yeah a teenage boy who's never known real pain, and <laughs> yeah. and and has grown up in in kind of uh individualist post fifties mm. American dreamscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 feels feels like it's okay to write songs going. I hate you, woman, because you're so sexy, and I come and shag you. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. A temptress witch. <laughs> but I, but this I one, think... but this one is slightly different because it it is it contains an insight into um, power and leadership, which is a revelation at some point. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a point in your life where you realise these things, and it's it's it really affects you. But then. I don't know about you, because I think you and I, Ollie, we probably have a, a similar level of cynicism about the world, about the ways yeah. of the world, yeah, the dirty old world, you know. Um, but I find the unwashed globe, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I find that as I, you know, as I age, increasingly I become cynical about cynicism itself because I hear Steely Dan doing this song, sort of, you know, cynically lambasting leaders. And I think, yeah, that's uh, great. Tell me something I don't know. Like, have a... Why not scratch the surface? Why not explore? Tell me something... You know, I don't know anything about kings. Teach me about kings. Don't just remind me that kings are shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay, so um, I, I agree. And... and um... One way of looking at it is it's like teenage poetry. 
mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, it's 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 an underdeveloped voice, and it sounds like two people who are fresh out of college, and probably think they're more clever than they are. Mm. This is a weakness which I I don't really think extends beyond this album. Okay. Um, but yeah, it is a little bit like it is a little Bill Hicks light. I think on this album at various points. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, one thing I also thought about this. Um, you, you, we've we've mentioned the new Meister, Piano Man, or as I think I called him last time, Toy Toy Story Piano Dude, or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, Randy Newman. Yeah. Um, this song gives me it gives me slight sort of Randy Newman vibes. I don't know how much you rate the new man. I love the new man. So he's one of my absolute you know, faves. That will probably so that statement will probably fill you with like shock <laughs> yeah. and angst. And I think yeah. I think if this was a, a I mean I don't know why we're saying <laughs> new man, but <laughs> if this was a new man song, I think it would probably be from the perspective either of the king himself or of a servile courtier, because I think that's but, what that's what Randy Newman likes to do is to like give a voice to. Mm-hmm. To an attitude that he wants to expose. So it would be like, um, yeah, it would be a song from the perspective of King John saying, King Richard was a fucker. He let you all starve. He's gone, but I'm here now. I'm the great king. All hail me. I feel like that's the angle that Randy Newman would take. It's like it's like a Newman song in the sense that it's a big hammy metaphor and Newman, mm. for all his like greatness, mm. loved a big hammy metaphor. I I think it's I think it's like a Newman song, without any of the jokes, mm. or the obvious like winks to camera. It's it's just it, it's it's similar in a sense that it's a piano driven song, where. Um, you're trying to make a big political statement through uh, through one singular monolithic metaphor. Yeah. Uh, that does not mean that I think it's as successful in doing that as a Randy Newman song. I just I just drew parallels. Yeah. Uh, Newman would do a much better job on the same subject than yeah. Steely Dan are doing here with Kings. And you know I'll stand for the Dan. So. Yeah, like the best of them. Yeah. I would like to hear Randy Newman cover this song. I think it'd be really, really good. But he, but you know, he wouldn't cover it, would he? He, he wouldn't. It, it, it would be too surface for him. Yeah, but the but so I'm like I'm looking said, at like, I'm looking I'm, at the lyrics. Now they lay his body down. Sad old men who ran this town. That is Newman-esque. I can imagine yeah, him. Su- I can imagine him singing the line, "Sad old men who run this town." And, and and that kind of injection of modernity into what is ostensibly a song about mm. sort of twelfth century kings, yeah, it, that, that's a very Newman thing to do, yeah, as well. You know, it's so yeah. I think I I, I think yeah, that's, that's um... the best bit. Line two is the <laughs> is the best bit of this song. Is there any is there any lines that stuck out for you particularly? Uh, yeah, other than line two, line line two is the big one. Um, the one that I had to look up because I didn't know what he was singing was in the chorus. He sings, "Roll out the bones and raise up your pitcher," and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hear what he was saying on the word pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned in episode one that 
there is some mangling of rhyme going on <laughs> in, in the Steely Dan discog. Well, wait until we get to uh, showbiz kids, that's all I'm saying. But yeah. Okay, but yeah, so rhyming King Richard with Pitcher. I quite like. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, I, I noted that line as well, actually. Um, uh, just because, you know, if we're going to do a close reading, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought, roll out, roll out the bones. That's and good. Raise out your pi- and raise up your picture. Um, it's kind of. It, are they talking bones as in dice? Oh, hello. Did you not? Did you not consider that? I didn't. I did consider it was sp- like roll out the red carpet, but instead of the red carpet, mm. it's like. The red carpet is made of the bones of the dead that the king has uh, slain. Yeah, well, I, I, I was like, roll out the bones and raise up the picture. Kind of puts you in the mind of celebration with, with like gambling. Yeah, we're talking, we're thinking bones as dice, gambling and drinking, mm-hmm. but also like rolling out the bones. Um, it's almost kind of it, it, it's a bit Catholic, isn't it? It brings to mind like Catholic relics, like picking over the bones of the of the dead king, mm. and. Or, you know, even just sort of cannibalism. Yeah. So I think I thought that raise up your picture was... That the word, which is picture, I thought it was like a word meaning relic or symbol. That was my instinct, because it's like raise up your... Mm. Whatever this word is. I thought it meant like uh, canonise this man. But actually it's saying, you know, raise a toast to the dead king. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, if you if you want to give them too much credit, you could suggest that that was deliberate. Yeah, and I do. I have been consistently giving them too much credit. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I like. I, so what you're saying about roll out the bones, I think, is great because it also it ties back to sad old men who run this town. So men who run this town sounds like something out of Guys and Dolls, doesn't it? Or like out of a gangster film. Mm. And so does not that Guys and Dolls is a gangster film. Although it does contain gangsters. <laughs> anyway. It sounds like something out of a gangster film. Which so then yeah, that then makes enables a pun on bones meaning gambling dice. I think that's I think that's cool. I think that's cool. And I would like yeah, to say well done, um, Steely Dan. Becker and Fags. Fecker and Bagan. I uh yeah and and I think you know if lyrically speaking this album has we've seen, well we've seen twice we've seen it twice already which is which are these kind of uh sort of kind of historical pieces with like shards mm. of modernity kind of shining through and we saw we saw it with do it again where you yeah. have kind of hangman hanging um but also like the lights of Las Vegas so mm. it's this it's this weird kind of um oh, it's this weird again, kind of modern Ollie. cowboy story where where gallows are floating in <laughs> No, I was just gonna say to, sorry, speak to saying? me. Like this is this is drawing me in. Like it, it, <laughs> I need an entry point into this band that isn't dirty work. And that is like right up my ginnel. You know the the idea of like yeah a song being at once about the bright lights of L.A. and also some old Wild West setting. Very yeah, cool. I think, I think it's the same here. You have just these like you mm. have these shards of of like of yeah. of gambling talk and gangster talk and 
and sad old men running the town. Like it, you know, it's 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 a little bit unplaced mm. um, temporally, isn't it? Uh, but you know, you're saying you want a way in. By by album two, I think all of that is gone, and and really like the the Dan voice as we'll as we'll hear it for um for the next eight albums is is developed by Countdown to Ecstasy album number two, and they've mostly shed kind of the um the alien so basically of so album. basically the one thing that I enjoy about this album is the the sixth form pretensions of the lyrics. That's the what you know, and leaving aside mm. dirty work because I feel like dirty work is a I was going to say the runt of the litter, but that's not what I mean because the runt is the weak pig. It's like it's the black sheep. It's the black sheep of the, of the flock. Um, leaving aside dirty work, what I like about this album—the one thing I like about this album—is yeah, the juxtaposition of modern sort of uh, streetwise talk and then more literary historical vibes. And you're telling me. That that doesn't even continue into album two. Yeah. Fucking hell. But you know, I think I think this process is the process of loving, learning to love each album in turn. So don't worry about, uh, don't worry about album two. Mm. It's a fucking great album. It's it shits <laughs> this one into the dust. Right, but just learn to love. Can't buy a thrill on its own merits. And really, I'm almost souring that because I'm bringing in these little, I'm bringing yeah. in these little nuggets from the future. Well, I'm back to your hair, showbiz kids. Or, oh, oh, I just know much mm. for Deacon Blues. You know, it's just, just, just mm. find your entry points in this album, and and learn to learn to love it. Because if you can love, if you can love the soft rock of this album, you can love the rest of it because it gets much more interesting once you've allowed. That that soft rock chisel okay. to lobotomize okay. your brain. I can feel its <laughs> steely. steely head <laughs> boring away at my <laughs> at my temples, but very very slowly Good. and in an irritating way. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the operation is going smoothly. Good. So. Good. Damn! I guess it's time to grade kings, um, and for regular listeners to episode ones and twos, you'll know that we grade it either as a royal scam, meaning a bad thing, or a royal slam, meaning a good thing. Um, so, in terms of my grading for this, <clears throat> kings is a bit clumsy around the edges, uh lyrically and musically by dance standards, although I think by most bands' standards it would be uh, impeccably performed. Um, <clears throat> I think it's it's def- it definitely falls under kind of a deep cut, or even though we're only at song number three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... But it's got enough... Yeah, and, and as we've discussed, Donald Fagan, it sounds uncomfortable... And yeah. whoopy. However, I think there's this song is also a 
it has enough kind of tantalizing glimpses at future Dan to be worth it and I think and I think it's got a strong enough verse and a strong enough chorus and a slightly teenagey angsty kind of um one note kind of lyric but it does the job and I'm, I'm going to call this a soft slam so it's it's basically it's basically fairly mediocre by Dan's standards but Taken as part of this album as a whole, I think this is a soft slam. Okay, so How about you. Well, so I don't have any knowledge of the ghost of Dan Future. So mm. the tantalizing glimpses which you are being afforded, I am not privy to. I don't know why I'm talking in this Dickensian way. We're going to start again. You sound like a Victorian nurse. Uh, I sound sound like a Victorian nurse. (laughs) Uh, Can you ask me again what I I think? Um, Yeah, so what do you you think? So I'm afraid I'm going to have to say it's a royal scam. um, Mm. Just because uh, Fagin's voice is a massive barrier for me. I think he sounds really uh, uncomfortable on this song. And I feel like they have compensated for that by slathering extremely loud and grating backing vocals all over his performance. Um, Also, I really disliked the guitar solo, although having said that, your exegesis of it uh, has led me back to it. Um, I came into this episode thinking that the lyrics were pretty trite, but actually there's a couple of little details which I I now enjoy. Hmm. So it's a scam with slam features. It's like a really shit trifle, but it's got those those sort of sugar-dusted fingers around the circumference. Yeah. You know the ones I mean? Yeah. So you can't wait wait to bite into one of those, but the centre itself is just a bit sloppy. Well, I I think that's I think that's a, a weird, if not apt, analogy, and and I, I'm not surprised that you ended up where you did because, to be fair, I almost ended up where you did. Mm-hmm. I was I was debating whether to call this a soft slam, or pure scam, know, a, 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 a near scam. Mm. It's it it's, it hovers. It's it's uh, th- there's there are much better tracks on this album that weren't singles um and the next one mm. for next week uh, midnight cruiser spoiler alert is not one of them <laughs> Thank you for listening to Countdown to Exegesis, your listen-along, steely-down podventure. If you'd like to follow us on the old sock meds, you can do so on Instagram and Facebook at Countdown to Exegesis, or on Twitter at ExegesisPod. And uh, just to be frank and candid, it's me, Andrew, who is uh, captaining the social media accounts, I'm the one churning out Steely Dan memes without fully understanding what the joke is. Great, and we should also mention that we have a old-fashioned email account at countdowntoexegesis at gmail.com in case anyone wants to get in touch with any longer form 
queries or suggestions and we can also be followed individually myself via my band the nature center which is the, Na the nature center on everywhere except instagram which is the nature center band and that's the nature center spelt in the commonwealth fashion how about you andrew you can follow me on one of two avenues uh, one is my band Oddman's Box, which is spelled O-D-M-A-N-S-B-O-X. Or you can follow me in my solo guise as William William Rogers. Uh, that's Rogers with a D, so R-O-D-G-E-R-S. And that's on all the usual sock meds. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, give us a review, thumbs up, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps. Cheers! Hi, Ollie, it's me. Um, look, I'm just feeling a bit, uh, a little bit anxious about something. Uh, so near the start of the third episode, I said something like, um, you know, as soon as I start liking Steely Dan, we, that's where we end the podcast, um, even if it's in mid-episode. And the thing is, I stole it. I stole that from, um, from the Analyze Fish podcast. Um, and I'm just worried we're going to be, you know, crucified on, on social media um, so I don't know whether you want to cut it or, or, or maybe we could put in a, a disclaimer, but just, just let me know your thoughts. Um, also, uh, Father, I, when I mentioned the band, I would, I, the first time I just meant like the band we're talking about, Steely Dan, but then I thought I could sound a bit more clever. Um, but I've, ne I've never heard the band. I don't, I don't even know who they are.